Welcome back to the All Things Sports Podcast, your number one sports podcast. I'm your co-host, Small Town EP, coming to you live from the chilly city of Atlanta. Since the last time you saw us, the days in New York City have been wonderful. Tyrese Halliburton is in stride and setting his own pace. And the Vegas Golden Knights remind us who the champs are with a four-goal second-period comeback against the St. Louis Blues. Today's guest, once again, back for a second week in a row. Second week, second episode in a row. Big Kev, how you doing, brother? Good, man. Going strong. Two in a row. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be three. Oh, oh, okay. I like that. I like that energy. Sure. I like that energy. And as always, your host, Mr. Heat and Five himself, the resident Yankee hater, <laughs> but New York City resident, June. How's the city in the flurries treating you today? You hear the ice? It was icy, man. It was it was snowing today. I felt like a little kid. Everything's doing good, man. And I like how you slipped that uh, at their own pace. <laughs> at their own pace. You're not low. I like that. Everything's good. It's good to see Kev on for two weeks straight or, again, two episodes. We're, we're here three times a week most times. So it's good to see him. And, and yeah, hopefully we can get that uh, maybe to, to a, who knows, five, six game streak like the Heat went on earlier this season. Mm, I like that. I like that. I like that. Listen, let's get right into it. Big news this week. I know we can't end with the Yankees, so we might as well start with it. June won't allow it. June won't allow it. The Yankees made some big moves this week in these last couple of days. First off, trading for Alex Verdugo from the Ops. How you ain't got no Ops if they ain't dead? Traded <laughs> Alex Verdugo from the Boston Red Sox. One year, $9 million contract last year on his contract, so they will be a free agent. As well as the biggest news of the week, Juan Soto. Also taking his talents to the Bronx for the last year of his contract as well. I'm going to direct this towards Kev because June's not going to give me a good answer before Kev does. So, Kev, how excited are you about these trades we just made? I like it. I like it. I think uh, it's something that we needed. We needed another bat in there, uh, especially when Stanton, for the moments that Stanton's not available, um, as Brian Cashman referred to (laughs) earlier this offseason. Um, so yeah, I think we needed a bat in that lineup, uh, just to protect the judge. Uh, so I really like, I like the outfield as it, as it stands right now, Trent Grisham also coming over a two-time gold glover. Uh, oh, yeah. so having that luxury there as well, I'm sure that he'll be in the outfield in the moments where, uh, Stanton is not in the lineup. Uh, I'm sure Grisham will play the outfield and you know, give some of those guys a, a day off to uh, be able to just swing the bat. So uh, I'm excited. Hopefully we don't have to have Aaron Judge bat lead off anymore because I absolutely hate that. Um, but, you know, I get I get the thinking of it. I just don't like it. Um, I like Grisham in uh, in those moments, like in those spots. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what Boone does with the lineup. But uh, now I think it's it's about looking for pitching. You got the lineup, I think, in order, get more or less. But uh, now I think they've got to go out to pitching. And obviously the big name is Yamamoto, who Yankees are said to be very much in on even after the Soto trade. So we'll see where that goes. No, absolutely. And Trent Grisham is a very interesting signing because we've, we've being the Yankees, have, have needed some left-handed bats and left-handed outfield. The bats doesn't really apply to Trent Grisham because – 
in the last, you know, five years that he's been in the league, five or six years that he's been in the league, his batting average has steady been declining. But he is a two-time gold glover, of course, as we all know. So that's a definitely a big addition. June knows, me personally, I've always been big on Alex Verdugo, regardless of what jersey he's been in. Me and him, me and June, him being June, always have conversations, are always excited to see Alex Verdugo do well. June sentiments might change after this season. But me, they just, you know, they amplify a little bit. I'm love, I'm going to love to see uh, Alex Verdugo hitting some doogie doubles. June, I know you don't care, but how do you feel? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I don't care, man. I, I, at the end of the day, I'm, you know me, I'm a big sports fan. And um, whenever competition rises, it's, it's always fun for me. Shout out to Marcus in the chat, I must say, in the YouTube chat. Um, tapping in, showing love to us. So appreciate you tapping in with us. But, you know, I think the trade for Verdugo happened about two days ago. And then uh, yesterday was the Juan Soto trade. And, you know, it, it, the Verdugo caught me off guard because I just felt like Verdugo really found himself in Boston and, and, and was able to make his name. And, and he did a lot of good things for us. Uh, we obviously need help pitching, and, and that's what we got in return. So baseball is one of those sports where, you know, the big name helps, but you, you do need quality players as well. Um, and if you, can, if you can make up talent with, you know, getting rid of one of your names for a few prospects, um, I, I'll, I'll let it make sense of itself as the season goes on. I'm, I'm more of like the Hurt fan right now where Dugo, you know, was one of my favorites on the team. And, you know, this is a guy who we traded – for Mookie Betts, like we traded Mookie Betts for, you know what I mean? And and that trade in itself leading into this one, it, it, it just leaves me a little confused as a Boston Red Sox fan and, and uh, wondrous as far as where we go from here. Shohei Otani doesn't seem like we're interested in him, um, but we are interested in Yamamoto and, and um, we'll, we'll have to just see where that goes. And, you know, the Red Sox, we're not – in a position right now where I would consider us, you know, playoff contenders or anything like that. So obviously that has a part to do with it as well. And um, Verdugo being on the last year of his, his uh, arbitration scheduled to make about $9 million. And, you know, we, we are dealing with new management in the front office. So again, I'm, I'm going to let it play out and I'll, I'll be the optimistic fan. Uh, the, the, the Juan Soto trade, it didn't surprise me at all. You know, the Yankees obviously are, are aggressive towards free agents and uh, big-name players that are in the trade num uh, trade headlines. And Juan Soto is, is, is the biggest name, you know, obviously outside of Shohei Otani, and nobody's comparing themselves to him. But, you know, we're talking about a left-handed bat at the short porch who's going to really, really rake in that park. And you got to imagine as Yankee fans are, you know, super excited to see a guy like him added to that, you know, much like Kev said, <laughs> a lineup with Judge – I mean, Soto and Judge, like, that's, you know, that you don't need more than that to a certain degree. But um, it will help the day Stanton is on, I'll say, but uh, Stanton's a little bit more off than on. Uh, I'm excited for the Yankees, though. You know, the Yankees The Yankees are, are at a point where last season they, they won 82 games. They were 25th in runs scored. And, you know, you think the Padres were upset as far as how their season went with spending all the money they did in the offseason and having Machado, having – Bogarts and Tatis and and trading for Soto and, and not making the playoffs. So 
the Yankees are are in a in a funny position right now because you know the expect the expectations are always going to be high. However, they they had such a low bar last year that you know they have to be better this year, and so that's the good thing. Everything is pointing up right now, and and uh, you know. I'll be interested to see how this team is managed throughout the season. And that's going to be the big story. Um, you guys have the talent. I, I also like LeMahieu leading off for you guys. I think LeMahieu's a, you know, contact guy. And um, when you guys put Judge there, you know, obviously he goes and he'll hit home runs and it's beautiful to see, but um, it's about winning games in this league. And, and granted, and frankly, 82 isn't enough. So absolutely this not. Yeah, this, sorry to kind of go on but this is definitely something the Yankees needed to do hopefully for your sake Soto finds his home there and and you know signs with you guys long term he turned down a 400 plus million dollar deal 15 year for the Washington Nationals probably in hopes to get something bigger and in a bigger market he's found himself in New York City um, you know a Dominican native who is going to have a lot, a lot, a lot of love and, and fans and appreciation out there. So, you know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him in general as far as the sport, uh, what it what it brings to the sport. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would like to see the Yankees compete. You know, they haven't won. <laughs> I do have to remind you guys. They haven't won a ring since 2009. So it would be nice to see them, you know, maybe in, a, in an ALCS, you know, competing seriously uh, next season. However... Let's pump the brakes. Absolutely. Let's let's let's, let's let it play out. Um, <clears throat> Listen, I, was, I'm, I, I, I feel I feel pretty much for the most part the same way. I'm not going to get this. The, I feel like the, the way I feel about the Yankees and the, the way the, the feelings and the emotions that they brought out of me last season are very similar to what the Hurricanes did, are, have been doing to us these last two seasons. Like, I can't really get my hopes up right now. Um, right. I. <laughs> We saw Soto go to San Diego and, quite frankly, struggle for months. Struggle for months. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. I'm interested to see Stanton, and like you say, he's more often on. There's reports saying that we will drop him down in the lineup to about five or six. And Stanton, an on Stanton in the five, six, seven slot, dangerous. Very, very dangerous. So that'll be interesting. The other thing that you mentioned that I want to, I kind of want to pick up again is interest. You're going to be interested to see how this team is managed. I can tell you that at this point, as as the resident Yankee fan, along with Kev here, and I, I mentioned this when the whole Brian Cashman Stanton comments came up, that Stanton's been there for much longer than most Yankee fans that are at least in my generation would want him to be there for. And this is do or die for his job, I think, this season. It could come down to a point where he's not the person that is dealing with the contract extension next year, hopefully, for Soto. And I'm pretty sure he is a thousand percent aware of that. This is do or die for his job right now. Kev, what were you going to say? I'm sorry to cut you off. Were you talking about Cashman or Boone in that uh, scenario? Cashman, sorry, Cashman, Cashman, okay. Cashman. For sure, Cash. Okay. Um, no, yeah, I think I, I just think at the end of the day, the offseason – Anything can happen in the offseason and doesn't matter when it comes postseason time because we just saw the Texas Rangers win a World Series and uh, Max Scherzer and uh, or Jacob DeGrom were not available, which were 
maybe one of the biggest offseason signings and one of the biggest trade deadline moves with those two pitchers. And they still were able to get in there and, and win a World Series without those two. So uh, at the end of the day, a, a well-managed baseball team that, you know, can go out and put the ball in play uh, is going to win baseball games. And I think that's what we I, – I, I love that Texas and Arizona weren't these – they had power guys, but that wasn't their MO. They weren't going to go out there and, and bomb you to death. Uh, as far yeah. as like you know, hitting hitting home runs every every uh, every three four batters weren't looking to hit a home run. Um, until I, until they until they became that team. I'll yeah, say. but but <laughs> Arizona um, Arizona was more so like a, the small ball team than Texas. Right. But right. but I I personally that's the baseball that I grew up on. That's the baseball I love. The 2003 Marlins I think had one of the greatest constructed lineups of all time with Juan Pierre and Luis Castillo one two. And then, you know, the guys behind them just get double double guys and home run guys. And um, so I would like to see the Yankees. I know I know Cashman said they're good on the, the offense and the position players and they're going to focus on pitching. I would love to them to get a speed guy at the top of that lineup and, um, you know, just keep things moving when you get guys on base. Let's I, I think real quick no, before yeah. we get off the Yankees, um, What's what's uh what's Buddy's name that you guys got from St. Louis center fielder Hater Harrison Bader Harrison Harrison Bader, Bader. yeah you know you'd like to see him uh, you know do a little more I thought he was gonna have a bigger impact uh, getting there but I, I do think you know the the culture um, just a few things on the Yankees real quick like the culture has to change uh, in that locker room in my opinion Boone we've talked about it for the last season and a half or so. Uh, EP, you and I specifically, as far as like Boone and, you know, us thinking that it's time for him to go. Um, you know, you look at Kev was pointing out the Rangers and how they were able to get to the World Series. And a lot of that has to do with Bruce Bochy. You know what I'm saying? And the Astros and why they're so great. They have hitters all through the lineup. But Dusty Baker is a big part of why they have so much success. You know, the team, a team needs a good manager uh, to, to be able to get guys in the right spots and... I don't think Boone is the guy in New York for the job anymore. Uh, I think he had his time, and, and I'm not going to say that the locker room isn't behind him or anything like that, but it's just a, a, a need for change. But I'm afraid that you guys are, you know, I'm not afraid, but you guys might be afraid that changing that might be, might be a little too drastic uh, right now. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see, but... I, I would like to see the Yankees. Cameron Mabin, shout out to Cameron Mabin, you know, center fielder, played for the Lions, uh, Tigers. Played for the Yankees, too. He mentioned too. that, you know. Say that again? He played for the Yankees, too. Did he play for the Marlins as well, Cameron Mabin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, I thought so. Um, they draft the – he was part of the uh, Miguel, Miguel Cabrera trade. Thank you. He, uh, he was mentioning the fact that, you know, that, that – Shaving your beard, clean shave kind of policy in New York is, is kind of ran its course. And uh, he would like to see that change and things like that. Like, I'm not saying that has so much to do with, you know, the play on the field. Like, come on. But uh, you guys just traded for Doogie and, and uh, we're going to get to see a, a, <laughs> a beardless Doogie. It's going to be a little weird. <laughs> I'd like to see you guys kind of change that culture and let him maybe hopefully he can wear his grills, you know. Cause he, he got a nice, yeah. Nice, uh, and, and, and the Cuban and the Cuban, the Cuban, the Cuban to me has always been the standout when, uh, when Doogie comes up to the plate, honestly. Yep. 
Um, hey, uh, update. I, I believe that Harrison Bader actually was claimed by Cincinnati uh, following the season. He became a free agent, so he's not in New York anymore. Uh, I did enjoy him. I have a, actually a good friend of mine who grew up in a town in Colorado who was owned by Harrison Bader. Oh, not the town. Grew up in a town in Colorado and went to a pharmacy who was owned by Hader, Harrison Bader's grandfather. So that was kind of cool Damn. for me to find out. Uh, let's take it to the West Coast. The other big trade talk, uh, free agency talk in the MLB right now, you referenced June, Shohei Otani. Getting out of the Angels. And I want to ask you guys a question because he's obviously been shopped around, has been taking meetings. But his crew, his agents, and himself primarily put out a statement that said, hey, if we meet with you, do not make this public. We don't want this to be a show. We don't want this to be a spectacle. We will meet with you. He met with the Dodgers. And immediately after, Dodgers manager comes out. Yeah, we just met with Otani, you know. Just light work. Like, do you guys feel like teams should respect his wishes? Or do you guys feel like, bro, you're the biggest thing in baseball since fucking sliced bread. This is ridiculous. June, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I- <laughs> that's funny first of all because <laughs> the dodgers are like that team with like they're like that scammer who's going after the girl and it's like i mean baby you you, <laughs> I, you can have it your way around this bitch hey, <laughs> the, the, but, the dodgers probably offered him a bag and they're like yo they're like, we'll say because go ahead turn that down i don't think you can yeah turn it down i mean that, that's up, that's up to you um i think that if I'm the franchise, I'm going to respect anything he asks for as far as <laughs> wants and needs because we're trying to get you here. You know, like we're trying to show you some loyalty before you're even a part of the organization. And yeah, I would definitely, you don't want us to say anything. I'll keep it cool. I'll keep it quiet. Don't worry. Um, but on the other side of things, yeah, like, come on, bro. This is Shohei Otani, you know, like LeBron James went live on television on ESPN from the Boys and Girls Club in, in, in Ohio and announced where he wanted to play next. I'm not saying Shohei Otani needs to do that. It was one of LeBron's, I guess, bigger regrets throughout his career. But the impact that this player has on this game is way too big to kind of keep this under wraps and and under, you know, too, you can't be too cool about it. I mean, you're Shohei Otani, and I get that, you know, you don't have that personality where you're, like, rocking the Cuban, like, Doogie or the Grills. But the whole country you come from treats you like the president of the country. You know what I'm saying? And so... Let's be let's be let's be all the way honest here, Shohei. Nobody's gonna keep a fucking mouth quiet about this. But if I were the person in the front office who just met with Otani and he asked me to keep it quiet, it's like that girl. She's like, "Yo, don't go be telling your homeboys about this." That you like, yo. <laughs> I pull up on Saturday. I ain't shit. You know what I mean? So it's like that. Hey, on the opposite side of that, he also did meet with Toronto, and Toronto's manager Schneider. Did a, did a little Zoom meeting press conference after they met with Otani. And he was in front of a white wall. like He was in a prison. Wouldn't mention anything about the meeting that they had with Otani. Refused to answer any questions about it. It's funny that you earlier were saying when he ends, when he ends up in Toronto, we'll see uh, how good the Yankees will, uh, how much success the Yankees will have in the AL East. Big, right. uh, and that would be crazy. Otani, Vladdy, Bobachet. 
I know that Kay. they had their their pitching struggles, but that 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 would be a crazy lineup right there. What's up, Kev? Uh, well, I, I was just gonna say like, yeah, he probably June mentioned the LeBron situation, and I, I heard Stephen A talk about this as far as like Otani needs to you know lighten up and let people. Like we we killed LeBron for what he did, and then we want Otani to make it a, skept- a spectacle, like his free agency. So, like, what what do we really want well, you to do? Well, I mean, I don't think we. So, personally, me, I'm not here for like making the Shohei Otani thing a spectacle. It's not that necessary, but like his requests are like, listen, if we meet, don't say anything. And it's just like, bro, you're a free agent. We're, you're gonna meet with teams. Like, you have to see what you like out there so like yeah but that's also that's also a way to gauge like the future as far as all right if if this comes out that we met then how do i know what if i sign with you that something's not going to come out when i'm in the locker so if you can keep things under wraps then i feel more comfortable signing with the team that can that can honor what i'm asking and so i think he's doing the 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 only news that matters is who signs him yeah like who he met with has no effect on nothing. So I, I want to play a clip real quick. It was uh, basically the news in Toronto. There's a news reporter in Toronto who <laughs> he had some choice words and uh, for the Dodgers uh, on the Shohei Otani thing. Here, I'll play it. Shohei Otani, I know you watch every day. And I appreciate you, man. You're, you're the greatest. But in terms of the person you just heard from, Jerry Harrison Jr., first off, he played for nine teams in 16 years. Nobody wanted him on their team. Played for the Dodgers for two years. I know as much about the Dodgers as Jerry Harrison Jr. Played for them for two years. He's an absolute joke. Let's talk taxes. Yeah, we got taxes up in Canada, but California has the fifth highest taxes out of any state in America. Oh, you want to buy a place close to Dodger Stadium? Worst traffic in the world is in Los Angeles. Even if you're 10 kilometers away, it's still going to take you eight hours to get to work every day. Well, yeah, it's cold in Canada a little bit. You know what? Also, snows in California last time I checked. And based on what Hollywood has told me, the great earthquake is coming at any point, And you don't want to be around any part of Los Angeles when that happens. Oh, we're going to talk about rings. We're going to talk about titles. Okay, since 1992, who's won more titles, the Jays or the Dodgers? Anyone want to answer that here? Jays. Jays. Jays have two. Dodgers have not two. (laughs) Listening to two national anthems is great. You know why? Because you get to hear the American one and then the better one. (laughs) (laughs) Show you, Otani. We love you. You know what to do. We'll give you your privacy. We'll give you a competitor. We'll give you a controlled environment with a dome. It's it's renovated, and you're gonna get your six hundred million. So I hear. Showy, come home. Come home, wow, man, you gotta love it. That's Ooh. that's great. That's great. <laughs> six hundred M's. That guy needs a raise from the news stadium. Hey, no, absolutely. If, if the Blue Jays sign him, he needs he needs a little uh, kickback. Yeah, I need I need seven percent of that contract. <laughs> Just keep in mind, Shohei will not be pitching next year, coming off of his second Tommy John surgery this right. off season. So he will only be batting for more than one. What Shannon Sharp said? Ain't no problem. Ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. That ain't no problem. All right. Let's take it over to the pigskin, gentlemen. Right now, Thursday night football. We are live. Live looking. About three minutes into the third quarter now, the Patriots at 
Pittsburgh, the two and ten Patriots at the seven and five Pittsburgh Steelers. Patriots up twenty one to ten. We had a history, a not even history, a historic total on this game. The lowest total. I'm not mistaken. If it was was it the lowest total in Thursday night football history, it was the lowest total in NFL football history. It was at thirty and a half. Vegas cleaned up on the on the everyone that bet the under because the overcast in the first half. All right, gentlemen. And if so, so on the night that we had the lowest total in the NFL, we had the highest total in the NBA, and the lowest total in the NFL went over, and the highest total in the NBA went under. Oh, Vegas, 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 no, Vegas. Vegas knows. Man. Hey, what do I say, man? Vegas don't give out free money. It's, 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 it's not a thing. It's not something that they, they're, they're not, they don't deposit smiles into the bank, as one of my old bosses used to say. Bailey Zappi, man, 196 yards, three of those tutties. He's been receiving a lot of criticism lately. You got uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 10 carries, 22 yards. Juju Schmidt-Schuster, Schuster. Super Bowl champion Juju Schmidt-Schuster, which is crazy to think about. Three receptions and 82 yards. Juju, one of three wide receivers that were active for the Patriots tonight. The Patriots' loss tonight would have been officially eliminated out of the playoff picture. It obviously doesn't look pretty, even if they are 3-10 and 10 after this game. June, are they eliminated next week? I mean, listen, it... Who cares? No disrespect to the question. <laughs> Who cares? Inevitable. Um, I mean, when you have a player, we're talking about the Patriots, right? This is, this is the same Patriots who, who kind of owned the NFL for the last 20 years. When you have your own, you know, player, Jabril Peppers, after the game, you know, telling you, telling other players, like, you know, y'all lucky we asked. Like, you asked me. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't think we. I know it's Thursday night football. I know the Patriots are up, you know, twenty-one ten right now. Is it, is it's a two and ten team beating a playoff team right now. I get that, but let's keep in mind that this playoff team, Steelers, who are sitting at seven seven and five, uh, are missing their starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who I don't know that makes such a difference, but. Um, oh. No, it, it makes a difference because they're starting Mitchell Trubisky. That's. Fair enough. That's what different. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the other thing, I mean, you know, just let's just kind of let's because I'm not here to talk about the Patriots. I'm sorry, <laughs> but let's talk about the Patriots draft. Like, don't you want to lose? Why are you? What you have no business winning this game on the road. <laughs> no business, and and you guys are competing tonight. Um, the, I, I told you guys when the season started, this is an elite defense, and they've played. <laughs> great defense all season that's not the issue they have the defense they're they're just we thought the jets offense was bad like <laughs> this is worse and so uh they can't score points they they won a, they lost a game what was it six nothing last week six to zero to what little hat what are we talking to about it's a little hat brandon staley it's a little hat brandon staley it's uh, to me it's crazy to see a Patriots and Steelers game that doesn't have playoff implications for both teams. Not just, you know. Listen, this game in 2007, whoo-hoo, would have went crazy. Crazy. If they had Thursday Night Football in 2007, boy, I would have I been, been waking up for school late tomorrow. <laughs> uh, uh, to answer your question, E, uh, the Patriots were eliminated about six weeks ago. 
So uh, <laughs> I, I bet that feels good as a Jets fan. I mean, I know Dolphins and Jets fans are just rejoicing every week. Like, I mean, Dolphins fans, Dolphins fans more than Jets fans. But yeah, at least at least the Patriots are now in the cellar. Yeah, there it is. We're, there it is. They they win this week though, and we might we're we're almost right there. Who knows? So. <laughs> Oh my right God! Back where we belong. <laughs> Let's kick it over to the NFC. I got a question for you all because there are three teams in the NFC this week that are nine and three: San Francisco 49ers, the Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco gets Seattle. Detroit gets Chicago again, and Dallas, as we referenced in Monday's episode, will see Philadelphia Eagles. Kev, which one of these three teams is going to drop the ball this week, you think? Um, which, uh, I mean, the obvious answer, well, the easiest answer, I think, is to go with Dallas uh, just because they're playing Philly, even though Philly hasn't, well, haven't, they, I, I, they've lost two games all year. And so, you know, they're obviously not a bad football team in Philly, but uh, got routed by San Francisco last week, which I also think came with some extra motivation on the part of San Francisco, like the way they went out against Philly last year with no quarterback to end the game. Uh, I think they wanted to go in and kind of show something to everybody like, hey, you know, this is this is a team that can compete with this team if we have a guy who can throw the ball. So, um, yeah, I think I think but I still think Dallas is probably the most likely of the three. I don't think Geno Smith is a hundred percent right now in terms of health. Uh, that Seattle team has kind of fallen off the last few weeks. Um, and then Chicago, I, you never know what you're getting out of that team either. Um, and Detroit can give up points, but they've also shown a way to come back in those games and get the job done when it's all said and done. So, uh, Dallas just tends to put up those, like, I think it's a, is it a Sunday night or a Monday night game against Philly? Dallas, I believe, is a Sunday night game. Sunday night at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, so, something about those, like, primetime games for Dallas where they're, they can make, the games where they can make a statement, uh, they always seem to not do so. Right. So, uh, yeah, if if I have to choose of the three, I would say uh, it's Dallas, who's, in my opinion, the most likely to uh, to lose this week. Yeah, uh, the so. line, the lines are Dallas is minus three and a half at home. 49ers against Seattle are minus ten and a half at home, and Detroit is minus three and a half on the road in Chicago. June, what are you saying? Yeah, contrary to what Kev says, I think I think Dallas wins Sunday night at home Ooh. versus Philadelphia. Um, the NFC East is just such a funny division dating back to, you know, 2002, three, where there hasn't been a consecutive winner of this division. So it's so up in the air at this point where um, Jalen Hurts also hasn't swept the Cowboys, I don't believe, in his, in his career. And um, I don't know that this year is the year that they do it. I just I'm looking at the Cowboys 
and how they play at home. Like if this game, you know, they already lost in Philadelphia. The Cowboys also understand how much is at stake in this game here. Like you win this game and you put yourself in such a great position to win the division and get a higher seating in the playoffs, but a loss you know, that, that can really be a big thing for you guys this season. Um, Dak Prescott is playing MVP football. He's he's arguably, you know, a top, the best quarterback in the league as far as the, the, the season stands right now. And the Cowboys at home are beating teams by over 15 points a game. So with the Eagles not necessarily playing as good as they were last year, and it's crazy to even say that because they're sitting at, 10 and two right now, right? This Cowboys team has found their way. And I think they understand what they need to do to win games. Eagles run offense hasn't been as effective this season as it was last year. And if they're able to run the ball this week, you know, yeah, I I totally agree with Kev. Um, And it's not a knock on DeAndre Swift. He's had a pretty good season. Um, It's just... That offensive line in Philly was, you know, dominating last year. And and I don't see that same domination this year. Um, and, and like I said, I'm just going to stand on what I seen from the Cowboys playing at home. We saw what they did to Seattle a few weeks back on Thursday night. I don't think this is going to be a, a gimme by any means. This game can totally go either way. However, Dallas has put themselves in position this season so far uh, for me personally to, to to feel that you know this is a game that they they must win and they will go out and execute and and I, I would i would love to see that because much like kev's point you know it's like they're known to to kind of let this one go let this one slip away but something about this team and i don't want to go too far i'm 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 not a cowboys hater by any means you know i'm a realist and i think that the Cowboys have shown us who they are year in, year out when they get to the playoffs and, you know, great regular season team, this, that, and third. But there's something a bit different about this team this year. And Dak Prescott, it's so ironic that coming into this season, he was the talk of the town and training camp clips were going crazy. Trevon Diggs goes out for the season. What are they going to do? They have a new interception pick six leader for the league in history. And everything is looking upward. So, I'm rolling with the Cowboys this week at home, Sunday night football. This is the stage is set. They know mm. what they need to do. And Dak Prescott is going to go for over 300 yards and put up three touchdowns or more. Cool. Okay. I think part of I think part of the run game issue with Philly and why it hasn't looked as effective is that Jalen Hurts isn't 100% healthy. And I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's. But you know, I'm I'm staying far away from the Derek Carr take of play Marcus Mariota. Uh, hey, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, I mean, he needs to be placed on administrative leave from NFL Network for 17 days. I, I don't no, yeah, I, I really feel like when you say something so crazy, you should have been allowed to be oh voted goodness. off the desk. There has to be a certain apprehension for, 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 for certain things that are said. Like, you know, not to make light of the situation with Sean McDermott and what his comments were. I don't even oh want to talk God. about that. But... Sometimes when you say certain things, it needs to be addressed properly, right? And so Derek Carr, Derek Carr, it's it's fucking David. Oh no, Carr. I'm sorry, sorry, David Carr. Yeah, David they, Carr. He's and so forgettable. I mean, both of them are fucking trash. So forgettable is crazy. 
But Jesus Christ, oh David Carr, what are you talking about? You got people waking up early to watch NFL Network who pay the subscription on the NFL Plus app to hear you talk this, please. Nonsense. Please. Funny stat. I, and, and, guys- listen, and listen, I'll say, this, I'll say this loud and proud. If anybody, whether it be in our YouTube comments, whether it be our Spotify, our Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud listeners, our best friends, if they think that we're giving out takes as wild as Derek Carr or David Carr, whoever the fuck Carr it is, please let us know. We'll work on it. <laughs> Jalen Hurts has visited AT&T Stadium twice in his career, gentlemen. What's his record in AT&T Stadium? 0-2. Two. two losses as he visits AT&T Stadium. I share the same, I share the same sentiments. sentiments. Yeah, it is correct. I think Dallas pulls it off. I do think that that Detroit line is very interesting because two weeks ago or so when they played Chicago in Detroit, they were about home field advantage favorites. I mean, they were about three and a half point. Oh, it's correction. They were actually seven and a half point favorites at home, whole touchdown and some change. Now they are three and a half point favorites on the road, which really just says this game is even nothing's changed. The line is interesting. I don't see Detroit dropping this one. I think they come out. I think Aiden Hutchinson comes out with a vengeance. Yeah, come on. It's the fucking Bears, guys. Come on. Honestly, I don't think any of these three teams, and personally in the NFC, that 93 drop a game this week at all. As you hear my dog Canelo in the background barking at who knows what or what knows where. Right. And, and I did answer your question with Eagles. Sorry, Eagles are 10-2, and two, so I agree with you. I don't think any of these teams do. And I also want to point out uh, – Going back to last week, if you listen, appreciate you. Toward the end of the episode, we had some discourse in the group chat, and it was Dolphins Ravens, and it was <laughs> Julian against fucking Andre and Drunk Sal, and I was getting jumped, but I think I was able to kind of hold my own against them too. And this is just against my point as far as if my friends feel like what I'm saying is bullshit. Sometimes, you know, we get into some banter in the group chat and and guys, you know, my, my close friends like to throw at me the fact that I'm a podcaster and I have a sports podcast. So I feel like everything I say is true. It's far from the truth. I don't believe everything I say is true. I believe that everything I say is coming from my heart and what I feel at the moment. And um, specifically to the point of the Dolphins not being able to beat a team over 500, that came from fucking ESPN.com. That, that was not... Yeah, that, that is not, not an opinion. That's not an that opinion. Not that is a I was trying to just, just simply state a fact in regards to this tough schedule the Dolphins have over the next three weeks. It'll be very interesting to watch play out, but uh, I, just, I just had to express that. And shout out to Nate, because I know my boy Nate, big fella, is going to tap into this episode. And when he gets to this point of the episode, he's probably going to text me. So shout out to Nate. Shout out to fella. I miss you. I love you. And I wish, you know, you could, you could get on an episode soon enough. Cause I, I miss having those, uh, those sessions at the crib, bro. There it is. There it is. There it is. I got a question. Does the winner of this game on Sunday night win the MVP? No. So I really wish people would stop talking about quarterback. Like, if let's just make the MVP the quarterback award at this point. If we're going to give it to a quarterback this year, this has been the most mediocre year for quarterbacks that I can remember. Tyreek Hill is literally every game going crazy, 
if Tyreek Hill doesn't win the MVP, just name it something else. An offensive player of the year can be your offensive player MVP award because it's stupid at this point. Just name it the best QB award like they do in Madden. Give a give a uh, <laughs> award out for every position. It's so dumb. Like Brock Purdy is not the MVP of of him. Debo missed three games and they went zero and three in those three. Well, he missed two games, including the one he got hurt in in the beginning of the game. They lost all three games without Debo. Like if there's a if there's an MVP in San Francisco, it's Debo Samuel. Ta- but beyond that, Tyree Kill has been by far the best player and the most guys, valuable player. Guys, we got a Dol- yeah. we got a Jets fan. We got a Jets fan giving the real out. I mean, let's let's not act like all things sports podcast isn't bringing you the real in sports. We don't come here to waste your time. We come here to tell you what we feel and also give you the facts. Tyree Kill is dismantling NFL standards. And he is also dismantling NFL defenses at the same point. And I love the point that Kev made as far as this season and quarterbacks. It has been so mediocre. And it's like, for you to look past Tyreek Hill's stats and what he's able to do week in and week out to look for the best quarterback, it's it's just kind of like there's no integrity in that. You know what I mean? There, there's no integrity in that award if we are to – crown a quarterback this year if Tyreek continues on the trajectory he's on so if things happen where Tyreek Hill kind of slows down and he finishes the season with you know maybe 1600 yards then I get it we could look towards a quarterback Dak Prescott is playing you know lights out football and he continues his run but the numbers tell us Mike McDaniel is going to put Tyreek Hill in the best situation week in and week out and who is going to stop him if he gets 1,800 yards, give him the fucking MVP. Like, w- do we understand what he's doing to defenses week in and week out? I don't think the, the casual Shook. fan is, is realizing, like, how good a receiver has to be to do this. And we saw Tyreek Hill in Kansas City with the best quarterback in the league put up Hall of Fame numbers, but they're not this good. But they're not these numbers. Facts. Facts. Big facts. Big facts. You know what? Let's take it over to the uh, – and that has that, by the way, has nothing to do with me having a ticket for Tyreek Hill to win MVP. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what 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 are the odds on that? What were the odds on that, Kev? I think they're when, when plus fifteen. It. I think plus fifteen hundred. You took it Jeez. at the beginning of the season. No, I took it earlier this week on Hard Rock Hard Rock Bet. Oh, well, Hard Rock Hard Rock Bet. Shout out to Florida and and legalizing sports gambling, but. Hard Rock knows the vibes, and they understand wholeheartedly that all the money put for that plus fifteen hundred dollar bet is going to the house, and it's the quarterbacks win. Absolutely, right? definitely. <laughs> shout out to Hard Rock Bet, legalizing sports gambling in uh, in Florida. You can now walk up to the casino in South Florida or in any Hard Rock casino in Florida and place a sports wager. This is not a paid advertisement, although Hard Rock, come haul at us. Let's take yeah, it over. Yeah. To- <laughs> <laughs> Come forward. We'll take it over to the AFC. Listen, we were live Monday night where we watched the Bengals beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence goes down with an injury. Doesn't seem to be coming back this week. June, can the Jaguars hang hang on to this playoff position without Trevor Lawrence? Not this week. I mean, not this week. They're going to go with a backup quarterback, C.J. Beathard, who actually got kind of dinged up <laughs> late in that game as well. He hurt his wrist and he's going to have to play Miles Garrett. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Listen. If you're a backup quarterback and your starter is Trevor Lawrence and you guys are first place in your division, 
by a little bit and you're trying to keep like top of the AFC. Now you understand you got to win this game on Sunday, right? You're on the road, but now you got a game plan for fucking Miles Garrett. And that has to keep CJ Beathard up all night this whole week. I don't know that he's going to get a full night's rest this whole weekend until Sunday leading up until one o'clock. Hurry so, up all night, whole crew. All man. things considered, <laughs> this might be a okay, it's not. It's gonna be a dog fight because it's two backups. It's, yeah, it's the battle you know, of the backups. Yeah, let's understand that. I'll, I'll take a step back. Battle of the and backups. the offense is still way better in Jacksonville than it is in Cleveland. But that defense for Cleveland is 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 liable to score one to two times this week. And so with that being said, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars do fall to eight and five after this, which is going to put the Browns at eight and five. And that means that the Texans and the Colts have a chance to get to eight and five themselves because the Texans play a team like the Jets and Kev can get into this. I don't want to go too hard on the Jets. And I want to see how TJ Stroud, who's playing top five quarterback level, fares against that defense that's an elite defense and and if cj stroud can put up over 300 yards and not turn the ball over versus that jets team i mean we're looking at a future hall of famer also we saw the colts be able to sweep the titans can't spell nashville without two l's uh they got to play the Bengals, and uh you know Quarterback over there, <laughs> listen. That quarterback over there, backing up the, backing up Joe Shiesty, man. He's nobody to fuck with. All right, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna give him his respect. I'm not gonna act like he is not able to do uh, anything productive in this league. He threw for over 300 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. However, this Shane Steichen coached Colts team understands what's at stake one o'clock in cincinnati they're playing a backup quarterback we can't let it be anything deeper than Mm -hmm. that go out and execute we're top five in sacks we're top five in turnovers force them get the turnovers get the sacks and gardner Minshew, nvp now i didn't say m like michael i said n like nickelodeon nickelodeon value most valuable player this week was gardner Minshew. had career high numbers he threw a game-winning pass to Michael Pittman. He threw two deep balls to Alec Pierce. He's not a deep ball thrower. This guy is getting us to where we need to go. And I'm going to be super excited getting a road win against an AFC division, a uh, 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 tough opponent like Cincinnati. So <clears throat> that was my AFC South rundown real quick, Kev. I don't know if you want to touch on that uh, Jaguars-Browns game and, and, and also that Texans-Jets game. I'm going to go refill my cup real quick. Let me put some little, you know what I'm saying, saying in the thing thing. <laughs> uh Jags Jags are playing um at Cleveland. With, at Cleveland. Uh it's difficult. I would I would say it's kind of the same situation where you know you have a an elite level defense and uh you're like in a quarterback carousel. Uh so we're talking about the Browns and the Jets in the same uh same breath, I guess. Uh yeah, I think the Browns do ultimately win the game, but uh, because of their defense. But Jacksonville still have Travis Etienne on the field, uh, Calvin Ridley. Uh, they've got guy Evan Ingram. They've got guys who can get open, and I think that does help them. Um, but you know, I, I just think that Cleveland defense is going to be a little bit too good this week for uh, for Jacksonville. 
and CJ Beathard. Uh, as far as the Jets go, um, Zach Wilson obviously getting the start this week. Again, <laughs> go back to Zach Wilson this week. So, um, you know, I, I will go ahead. And, I know I said I was reluctant to watch when uh, we did the episode on, on, uh, on Monday. I will go ahead and watch this week. But I'm going to have a very short leash on, on the Jets. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've decided that I'm going to watch Jets football as if it were like anything else in the sense that I'm going with no expectations. And if I, watch, if I start seeing bad football, I'm just going to switch to another game. Um, so that's where I'm at with the Jets. Um, I don't expect them to win. I, uh, because they've shown me nothing over the past five weeks to for me to expect them to beat a team like Houston after we just lost to a team like Atlanta and Desmond Ritter. So, yeah, I fully expect C.J. Stroud to be able to, um, you know, take advantage of whatever he can take advantage of um, because I don't know that the offense can move the ball until they show me they can. So, um, the offense not being able to move the ball, defense constantly being out on the field. And I think we've seen the Jets' defense sort of have really good first halves where you're like, all right, if the offense can do something in the second half, if they can come out and score a touchdown on the opening drive of the second half, they're back in the game, and it doesn't happen. Three and out, they get the ball, defense back on the field. And I think we've seen over these last few weeks, the defense just runs out of gas in the second half. And uh That'll happen when you're constantly on the field and when you're also being put in bad field position. So, um, yeah, I, I think Houston wins and I think Cleveland wins. Cool. Hey, man, Jacksonville, 5-0 and on the road. You guys think they'll be 5-1? and I'm not going to give a prediction because what a battle of the bastards type of game that this is going to be. <laughs> I mean, they – like, they – for Cleveland, it sucks. And I think Kevin Stefanski, I do want to say, has done a tremendous job because to lose Nick Chubb in week two alone should have derailed this team. And then not having Watson basically all year. He started, what, three, four games for them all year um, between injuries and then going out for the season. So uh, this team should be nowhere near the playoff picture, and they're still in it at 7-5 and five and – they're right in the thick of things. Right number now, six so. in the AFC. This is a battle of number six versus a battle of number four in the AFC. June, you got any last thoughts on this matchup before we uh, move forward? This is the Jets-Texans? Uh, no, you know Kev. He's going to find a way to sneak the you know some Jets talk in there. So we can... <laughs> I, was, I was told... <laughs> oh, oh, was this the was this the Browns Jaguars? Team? Yeah, this was bad. Yeah. This is this is Browns Jaguars. Final thoughts, nah, man. I, I just think it'll be a little too tough to overcome um, for the Jaguars' offense not having their their numero uno out there. And and you know, granted, Doug Peterson is a great coach, and I think he'll have his guys prepared. But Miles Garrett is a game changer. He's one of those guys who is is one of the best players in the league for a reason. We don't just say that about him. He shows up, shows out week in and week out. And um, you know, much like. Kev said Kevin Stefanski is, is doing a great job over there. You know, on that defensive side of the ball, Miles Garrett has his guys. <laughs> you might as well call him the defensive coordinator. He's got his guys playing every week. So, shout Jim, out to him. Jim Schwartz is doing a good job, though. Definitely. That's definitely. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Kev, Kev, you mentioned uh, you guys you, you guys being the Jets losing to the Atlanta Falcons. 
uh, I do have, well, I am entered into a raffle currently through my, uh, through my better half's job for tickets to the Bucks and Falcons game this weekend. Just had to, re- she just had to reply to an email with a game uh, score prediction, and we will find out tomorrow morning. So hopefully, I can take my first visit to the Mercedes-Benz Dome this weekend. Let's take it. Let's keep it in the AFC. Keep it in the AFC. We have a rematch of game of the year from a couple years ago. Uh, uh, we can let it go. We can let it go. We let it go. <laughs> Buffalo Bills will take the trip to Arrowhead Stadium and take on my Kansas City Chiefs coming off a pretty horrendous loss, I'll say, to the Green Bay Packers and Patrick Mahomes' first trip to Lambeau Field. June, how pissed off is Patrick Mahomes? Is he going to come out and start throwing dots all over the field this weekend? Hey, listen, a couple things. I want to backtrack. When, when, when you're better half, and I don't do the quotations as no sign of disrespect. This is just what you're labeling her as. When she speaks about you, you know what I mean? Is she calling you her better half? You know what I mean? Like, who's the better half? You know, like, do we just say this? I'll digress. Let's talk about the game of the Wrong decade. Pod. I'll give you that. <laughs> game of the Wrong. decade. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, yeah. What is that? What is that? I said wrong pod. Wrong pod. You're right. right. I'll leave that. Shout out to Martin. LTD, longer than a decade podcast. Matter of fact, we're going to stop everything right here, right now. We're going to give a shout out to my boy, Martin Dunn. It's his birthday today. He made it to 30. Shout out to Lake's baby right there. He's a brown boy kid. He makes music. He has a podcast. He has a vision. He knows what he wants to do in his life. And I'm full, full fledged supporting him. That's my brother right there. So shout out to Martin Dunn. This podcast is dedicated to Martin Dunn today and his Martin Dunn episode on the All Things Sports podcast. Shout out to him. But look, second point I wanted to backtrack on. I said let it go, but you're right. That was arguably the game of the decade, EP. All right? That AFC, what was it, divisional game there? Yeah. Um, 2021, was it? 2021, yes, 2021. All right, all right. So... They're in Kansas City, not Lambeau. That's the first good news. I think Lambeau Field kind of had Patrick Mahomes pay his tithes or whatever that was. Yeah, right? yeah I like that. I like football that. Football gods, like, you're not better than the history. All right, Patrick? <laughs> yeah. um, this is going to be a really good game because the implications here, Buffalo is kind of on the ropes right now, right? And they six could either do the Muhammad Ali where they're like, you can't hit me. And, and Josh Allen comes out, throws four touchdowns, and Stephon Diggs maybe has two of them, and, and there are no turnovers in this game. <laughs> that would be a, a dream come true for a Bills fan. But in all likelihood, in all likelihood, this 4 o'clock matchup, you know, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes, who has figured out how to beat this Bills team. Again, Sean McDermott making those comments. I'm not sure that that has anything to do with the game on Sunday, but... uh Let's just hope that his locker room is full-fledged behind him and still has all of his respect because I think that may have an impact on the game. Now, taking it to football, there was I was watching Get Up a few days this week, and Mike Greenberg, I mean, listen, Mike Greenberg, for me, has like, it, 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 he's like, he's like here because I'm going to always put respect on a legend, right? Mike Greenberg is one of my first idols. I used to listen to Mike and Mike in the morning, 
every morning with my father going to school in uh, elementary school, whether he was playing that 99 jams or some slick Rick children's story, putting me and my sister on Mike and Mike in the morning was one of my favorite shows. And I, I, I truly respect where Mike Greenberg has gone in his career and what platform he has that ESPN has given him with the show get up. And it, I think this is like from 2018 that started and, and I love get up like get up is probably my favorite ESPN. Well now Pat McAfee show, but get up is, is top uh, on, on the ESPN list, you know, man, man, he was talking about Josh Allen. Like, like it was his little brother. And, and little bro, like was it was his son, bro. Out, like that was his kid. <laughs> yeah, like we're talking bad about him, and and he's not here for it, like at all. And so, I get the points that he was making. And shout out to Dan Orlowski. Dan Orlowski made a lot of points to back up Josh Allen and the turnover machine he is. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's about winning games in this league, and it's about taking care of the football. Right, so Josh. You Allen mean you mean Dan Olaski, the guy that dropped back into a safety? I digress. Let's not Continue. do that. I mean, some guys Continue. can be better analysts and coaches than players, and I'm going to give Dan Olaski the fact that if he was a coach, I think he'd be a pretty successful guy. Definitely wasn't quarterback to 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 wish for on your team. What's up, Kev? No, to your point, David Carr was neither. <laughs> hey yo, <laughs> nah nah. Let's talk about this matchup though. I, I like setting the I like setting the table, you know, because on Thanksgiving or, or even dinner time for that matter. I mean, shout out to mom, shout out to my sister, my pops, and my other sister. You know, I got a small family, family of five, and um, you know, I didn't like washing the dishes at the end of the day. I didn't like helping cook. I wasn't trying to be in the kitchen while it was hot. But I'm gonna help set the table, right? I'm gonna put the fork out. I'm gonna put the juice out and the water. Matter of fact, I we're like that. Juice. We're drinking water. We're drinking water at dinner. We're drinking water. So I set the water, put the napkins out, put the fork. You know what I'm saying? Help my mom maybe bring the plates to the table. I'm gonna do that. And so, with that being said, at the end of the day, Josh Allen and this Bills team has to take care of the football. I don't care if it's his fault he throws an interception. I don't care if the ball gets tipped. I don't care if the receiver didn't run the right route and the corner jumped it. Listen, the ball has to be taken care of for the Bills to be remotely close in this game. And not, not remotely close to winning, but having their, 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 uh, their, their winning hopes alive. Uh, that didn't even make sense. But to win this game, they got to take care of the ball. I think Kansas City is... And Patrick Mahomes specifically, to answer your question, is extremely pissed off that they didn't win that game last week. I do think Patrick Mahomes believes he should have beat Jordan Love on the road last week in Green Bay. And um, they'll make it up this week at home against the Bills, even though the Bills are on the ropes fighting for their lives right now. I think Patrick Mahomes wants to put them out of their misery, and he knows what's at stake for both him and them. So Vegas has us had a very good game because again, I reference this all the time. Three points in the NFL is home field advantage. If you are the home team, Kansas city is the home team. They are only favorited or favorites by one and a half points. So Vegas has this as a very close, very tight grip dog fight, dog match type of game. I'll say this. If Buffalo loses this game, it's not going to get any better for them at this point. And they can pretty much kiss their playoff hopes goodbye because the week after this, next week, they get visited at Orchard Park by the Dallas Cowboys, who are either going to be on a high coming off a win against Philly and be like, you know what, we're just going to stand on business, as they say, or 
they're going to be pissed off after losing at home for the first time this season against a division rival. So if they if Buffalo loses this game, doesn't get any better for them after that. Kev, what you got? Uh, I mean, like, I don't think either team is where they want to be at this point in the season. Uh, you know, obviously for various reasons, uh, Buffalo, I, I think it's funny that they fired Ken Dorsey because their defense to me has been the side of the ball where they haven't been their normal selves. Like I, they gave up, they lost that game to Philly because they gave up 37 points, not because they couldn't score. They scored 34 um, so, uh, yeah, I just, I think Buffalo is not able to play the style of football that they want, which is be really good on defense and put your offense in good positions where we don't see so many, you know, shots where Josh Allen has to take and force opportunities and which in turn create turnovers. Um, but yeah, I think, I think on the, on the other side, Kansas city can't feel too comfortable. They're eight and four. And Denver's suddenly found something in that team where they're sitting two games behind them at six and six. So Kansas City's got to start looking at, you know, being a little bit careful uh, because Denver did also beat Kansas City. Uh, so, you know, it could get interesting if, uh, if, Den- if I'm sorry, if Denver goes out and beats the Chargers this week while, Kansas- while Buffalo beats Kansas City. And then Denver's sitting one game behind the, uh, behind Kansas City while the teams are kind of going in opposite directions as far as where they're trending. So it's an important game for both teams, I think. Uh, obviously, there's a little more wiggle room for Kansas City than there is for Buffalo, being with Buffalo being 66 and likely out of their divisional race with the Dolphins being at 9-3. and three. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we can discount the fact that Kansas City hasn't you know, had the season that I think they anticipated having I, I would just like to kind of kind of argue your point as far as both of the teams not being where they want to in the season i definitely agree with you as far as the bills being 66 nobody i don't think any of us saw this but kansas city are eight and four i so i i get what you're saying as far as i'm not wanting to be here because who wants to be you know at eight and four when you could be maybe at 10 and two but eight and four is is a good place for them right now in this in this situation and and with all things considered you know, their receiver situation, uh, maybe Patrick Mahomes not having the chemistry with his offense as he did in the past. Travis Kelsey, um, I don't know his numbers. I'm not looking at his stats right now, but he's not having that typical Travis Kelsey season where he's just kind of going and dominating every single week. Um, and that's definitely in part because, you know, Tyreek Hill is gone and teams understand that hey rashi rice you know uh marquez valdez Scant, Mar- you know valdez scantling are, are their top receivers so it's a little easier to game plan for kansas city and you're going to make patrick mahomes prove that he is the 500 million dollar man and best quarterback or best player this nfl has now they're sitting at eight and four with a chance to win this week and if they do as i think so they'll move to nine and four and then they finish the season uh on the road against the patriots at home against the Raiders, at home against the Bengals, and then on the road against the Chargers. I mean, that's a pretty favorable schedule if you're the Chiefs, and you kind of can't ask for more. You know, you want to be greedy as a Chiefs fan, and we know the Chiefs to be this team that dominates every single week. They're not that anymore, but they still are 
a playoff and Super Bowl contending team with what they have. And so it doesn't have to be, I think that's their, 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 their outlook, or that should be their outlook. It doesn't have to be pretty. We just got to win. And so this game on Sunday is going to be very big. It's going to be Tony Romo on the call, Jim Nance, <laughs> you know, big, big Josh Allen Glazers. Um, oh, God. With, with all respect to Tony Romo. <laughs> uh, but but they have a, a, a big opportunity to really, really prove to the country that we still are the team to beat, you know. And so I expect Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes specifically to, to make that mark. I think as far as Kansas City, though, even the wins haven't been impressive outside of, like, yeah. Chicago. Yeah, I get it. I like, get the, it. the Jacksonville game, you, you win by a possession. Uh, the Jets game, you win by a possession. And, you know, a lot of people hey, point, Kev, to, like, point hey, to, Kev, a lot of, point to the league, officiating. Bro. This I, is a tough league. This, it and is. I get it. Officiating but, helped them out maybe two, three weeks. I get it. And then Not the, last uh, week, though. They lost. Yeah. They lost last week because of an officiating miscall, and that's a game and, we would be looking at the Kansas City Chiefs here at nine and at nine and three. So this I'm is glad a totally different conversation. I think we have. I'm glad you brought that up because I I actually wanted to ask this. Do you think because it came right after it came the very next play, Pat Mahomes running to the sideline gets hit inbounds, hundred percent flag, hundred percent. Very next play 100%. they go downfield, pass clear pass interference. They don't they they eat it. It was likely, and, and, and that's not the. That's no. just. To, it's just not the. It's. It's. Listen, I hear you. I get it. You got to make up for the call if you're the rest in that moment. No, it's a bad call. Fucked up. But I'm. But I'm saying that's it. just not the way. Do it on a hold because linemen. We all know linemen hold every single play. It, it. It. They're holding on every single play. Do it on a hold. You don't do it on a blatant pass interference that looked like when John Lynch took out Dante Hall that one game. It, it obviously not as not not as violent, hey, not, not as disastrous, but it was just blatant. Like there yeah, was... and, and EP, you have all right to be mad as a Chiefs fan. I mean, look, I'm looking at the fucking Browns record and and what they're doing right now. They're sitting above us in the playoff standings. I mean, they if you go watch the last 45 seconds to a minute and a half of that game, there were two two calls that the refs gave the Browns versus the Colts, and I don't I don't agree with either of them. But look. We spoke about this multiple weeks. The refs are a problem in the NBA and in the NFL. And until that gets figured out, we're just going to have to, you know, kind of take it as fans, on, 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 you know, as for what it is. And and um, we're going to have to just enjoy football as, as as it comes because I think and, – and MLB, let me let me also say the MLB has a huge problem with their with their umpires as far as ego goes and, and Best who's, job in who's the world. running shit over there. So – I think there needs to be a big meeting. That's nothing for us to really debate because we don't have any control over that. So we're going to have to take the wins and the losses as mm -hmm. they come. Um, I wanted to point out, though, the Bills can win this game, but they still got to play the Cowboys next week, as EP pointed out. And then to finish the season, they got the Dolphins on the road. I mean, it, 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 everything is really stacked against the Bills. And it's not necessarily like stacked against like, oh, everybody. It's more so they've put themselves in the position to where everything is stacked against them now and they got to put up or shut up and um that's one thing about football you have the opportunity to do so the bills can still make the playoffs right this is run still the table playoff. run the table so yep. Yep. It's, yep. it's really up to them and coaching and, and and josh allen to be that mvp type of player so we'll see 
You mentioned the rest in the NBA. Let's take it over there as we hit the uh, hour five mark right now. The Lakers are dubbing, sunning the Pelicans right now in the third quarter, 76 to 60. And the Indiana Pacers are just kind of hanging out in Vegas tonight, waiting to see what happens with this game as they did take down the Milwaukee Bucks earlier today. Uh, EP, real quick. I I, I love, uh, and I must say, Kev, EP has been doing a phenomenal job as far as as far as taking command, as far as transitioning, as far as presenting topics, as far as bringing through questions. I mean, I can't complain about anything. The only thing I'm going to ask you is, are they are they chilling in Vegas tonight? Or, or are they going fucking crazy right now <laughs> as far as the Pacers and betting it all on black, right? Because <laughs> the if Pacers are going crazy. If they're smart, they're hanging out and chilling because as they I was got one saying, more to win. They got one more, and it's 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 against it's against that man who currently is on pace for a double double. LeBron James, twenty eight points in twenty minutes with six assists and three rebounds, plus minus of plus twenty five while he's on the floor. Seventy nine to sixty, eight minutes left in the third quarter. June, you said you said the Lakers were going to win this entire in season tournament, and your prediction is. Yeah, yeah, you should you should be a gambling man. I know you're not, but maybe you should you should think about it. <laughs> hey man, I'll, I'll consider it. I'll say this, man. When I when I whenever I do want to gamble, I tap in with the less risk, more profit team. It's LRMP. It's it's EP. It's Geo. It's Antoine the Don. These are all friends of the show. EP obviously being my co-host, co-producer, and these guys never steer me wrong. And understand, listen, when we're gambling, we have to gamble responsibly, and we also have to gamble with the notion that we might lose, okay? And that's okay, because it is a fucking gamble, okay? It isn't a guaranteed (laughs) win that they're giving. But it's also free, and they are also putting in a lot of time and research into these picks, and they likely hit more so than they lose. Um, Kev, I don't know if you had a quick point you wanted to make. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, you only lose when you don't win, so... There you go. <laughs> nah, but I'm, I'm actually a little bothered by the fact that I, I wasn't able to tune into this game. I'm not going to act like I was able to watch two minutes of this game. Um, I'm going to have to box score watch. And, and from what I see, um, LeBron James is going off 9 of 11, 4 of 4 from 3 on pace oh. for the double-double, as you mentioned. Uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more aggression from Zion Williamson. I'm not sure how they're defending him or, or what's the case, but he is shooting very efficient 6 of a 7, only has 13 points and 2 rebounds. I mean, come on. Zion, you got to be a little more aggressive knowing what's at stake. Shout-out to Ray. Ray is a, a big friend of the show and, and a big supporter of the show. He did bet uh, over 29.5 for Brandon Ingram, over 29.5 for anthony davis both of them sitting at nine points uh quarter way into the third i'm sorry uh sometimes you win sometimes you lose and uh he's got the blues tonight but yeah we're looking at a pacers lakers championship and and we're far from the end i mean this is there's eight minutes left in the third quarter we've seen teams come back from 19 like nobody's business so this season about that wait off on it um, by the way, the box score looks, I know that these guys, there's a lot of people that hate box score watchers, call it what you want. I mean, we're doing a fucking podcast. I'm sorry. I couldn't watch it. Again. <laughs> I did watch the Pacers game and, um, we'll get into I'll, that. I'll tell you my thoughts on that. But if the Lakers are able to pull this out, 
which it looks like they will be, man, it's going to be a great matchup, you know, Indiana versus Los Angeles because Indiana's a young team, right? This is a team who kind of doesn't know any better. That's that's to me what the Pacers are. They're just like great coach, you know, Rick Carlisle. Kevin mentioned it last week in the phenomenal jo- uh, job he's doing. But these guys don't know any better. All they want to do is try to beat you. They want to run faster than you and beat you. And Tyrese Halliburton has Facts. an NBA history record of three games in his career that have all come this season with over 25 points and over i want to say 12 assists it might be 15 but i think it's 12 he he had 15 today with zero turnovers and and we can't discount how special one that statistic is but two how special of a player tyrese halliburton is himself and what he's able to do and what he's brought to indiana so um the Lakers are like the OGs, you know what I'm saying? They got Braun and AD, and, and they've got Reeves over there clutching shit up. But this Pacers team, man, they play with pace. They're young, they're fast, and they got a lot of heart. And so it's setting itself up to be a really, really fun matchup Saturday night, 8 o'clock in Vegas for the, for the you know, the big prize. In-season tournament championship. Funny enough, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson were asked after winning the last game, how excited they were! I don't think they're very excited. Again, long we got we got a good amount of minutes. Did you see game. the answer, Zion, with the chuckle? I heard I saw a quote retweet. Somebody said that's a nasty motherfucker right there. On <laughs> Shout out to Zion, man! Oh my god, Okay, which how are you feeling about this? Yeah, first of all, again, applaud Adam Silver because this has been the tournament. I think has been uh, phenomenal. I think. It's been, uh, it's served its purpose, um, and I'm excited for it to continue. Um, I will say, though, I can't, I can't not bring it up, especially since the segue was officiating a uh, terrible, terrible, terrible call to rob Phoenix of potentially tying that basketball game against the LA in the quarterfinal. Uh, where Austin Reeves loses possession of the basketball and Phoenix essentially would have had a layup to tie the game with about six seconds left. And the ref, for whatever reason, granted uh, LeBron a timeout. And then uh, the the part that bothers me about that whole thing, though, is like you're going to miss things in the game. One, you should be able to review that in that situation. But two, the way that they went and doubled down on the call at the end of the game was even more unbelievable than the initial call that was made on the floor. Uh, so that's why when June was talking about officiating, I said it's the greatest job in the world because not only can you mess up and there not be repercussions, but your boss will back you up on the, your fuck up. They so, stand on it. Yeah, like it's it's the most unbelievable thing that I've ever seen in a profession. Um, but as far as uh, how this game is going with the Lakers up by 22 with seven minutes left in the third quarter, looks like it's going to be Indiana and L.A. Um, I'm rooting for Indiana just because it's a bunch of young guys on that team, man. You know, it, you can see the difference in the benches even uh, with how many guys on Indiana yeah. want this money because even the end of the bench is going crazy at the end of the games. And uh, so those, those guys want it. And I just think that's that's part of the reason that they're here, like, we all know there's a cash prize in it for all the uh, players involved and the coaches involved, and you can see it on the the play from the players of Indiana. But uh, Tyrese Halliburton, 
yeah, he's he's. I think I might have said it last time, uh, last episode. He's becoming one of my favorite basketball players to watch. He just always seems to make the right play. I love a point guard who doesn't turn it over, but a point guard who can give you 15 assists and not turn it over while giving you almost 30 is ridiculous. And uh, Halliburton, actually, this is his sixth career game of 15 assists or more with zero turnovers. Uh, John Stockton has 12, and he has the most. Chris Paul has 10. And third on that list is actually Muggsy Bogues with seven. Uh, So Halliburton is at six now, and he's, what, 24, 25 years old? So uh, you expect he's at three this year alone, including two back-to-back games of uh of those stats so there yeah, he's just he's uh he's been lighting it up he's been on fire this year and if he keeps going like this and indiana keeps you know winning games he could launch himself into that uh mvp talk so uh yeah i, lo- I love what he's been doing i think he's been 100 percent. he's been awesome MVP like, talk is legit facts yeah. facts, you, facts i mean facts, you facts. a guy like that like putting up those numbers that's like 15, 15 assists, no turnovers, damn near 30 points on efficient shooting, too. Is not like that's nothing to just toss to the side. He's literally and the always reason. points out he's responsible for you know what I'm saying 50 to 65 points a game. Like this yeah. guy's doing it all, so you got to give credit. And whether this team is a is a true playoff contender or not, I think that this cup has shown us that we have to respect the Pacers as a team who um fights hard. And, and is willing to do what they got to do to win games. And, uh, you know, when you're well coached in the NBA, you're going to be okay. Obviously, if you're the Spurs and you're on a 15-game losing streak, you could be as well coached as a guy by pop. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't have enough talent. But uh, this Pacers team has kind of figured out what they like to do. They run and gun. They're going to beat you with their athleticism. They're not going to quit. And they're going to knock down some crucial shots too. So shout out to the Pacers. I'll tell and you I what, think- one – I was going to say, one, one thing's for sure. If uh, they thought that this – if Adam Silver thought this was going to help with load management and players taking off, I think right after this tournament is done, we're going to see a lot of sore ankles, banged up knees, back soreness. <laughs> we're, people, people are going to be out. People are going to be out. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages and sizes, that was this Thursday night's Real in Sports brought to you by All Things Sports, your number one sports podcast. I am your co-host, Small Town EP, joined by – Big Kev, Mr. Heat, and Mr. Heat in five himself. See you soon, June. Wait, Julian. We'll catch you guys Sunday afternoon after the 4 p.m. games for the recap of the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock games and the preview of the Sunday night football. We will see you on Sunday.